This is Michelle Corey, the founder and CEO of Frequency Media, back with the next installment in our mini-series. And this might just be one of my favorite episodes in this mini-series that is celebrating our rebrand and our second anniversary in business. And it's because it's where we get to talk about some of our favorite moments throughout production. And today I'm being joined by our powerhouse producer, Ina Garkusha, who I first started working with when I hired her as my editor for The Cultured Podcast when I was still an independent podcaster. And here we are today collaborating together on some of the biggest productions in podcasting and creating some really spectacular shows that also help to heal, enlighten, and uplift. Ina is such an asset to the Frequency team in terms of vibration and alignment and energy, but also in terms of skill and talent. And she puts her whole heart and soul into every production we work on. So I'm really, really excited that we get to have this conversation together and go down the production memory lane of Frequency Media. I mean, that's the Frequency vibe, man, you know? One, two, two. and then we snap. Okay, ready? One, two. (laughs) Why are we doing that for? We don't need a clapboard. We have a Zoom recording. (laughs) So here we are. Yes, here we are. This is a surreal experience for me because we're very good at being in the moment and just like doing what needs to get done. So like to look back and to like review where we've been and where we're coming from is kind of bonkers to me. Yeah. Like it's really been you and me in the weeds growing this production team together and navigating the twists and turns of frequencies, very many kinds of production projects and experiences and vibes. So I'm like really excited to talk to you. And like, we've never really had a moment where we do this. Yeah, I know. This is our first time like (laughs) being like, wait, what happened? (laughs) What have we done? What did we do? And it's so special. So yeah, I'm hella curious to hear about your favorite production moments starting at the beginning of 2019. But you and I had worked together on Cultured, on the Cultured podcast, which is my podcast, for about a year before that. Yeah, I would say about a year. And that's how we started working together is you came on board to help me edit as an independent podcaster, which I had been doing by myself up until that point. So you like rescued me from that insanity. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went to hire a producer for Frequency, uh, which I had been the sole producer at the beginning. You know, the, the founder does it all kind of at the beginning. And then I had an editor, of course. But then I needed somebody to like take over production because it was getting big fast. And that's when you threw your hat in the ring. And I just remember your email submitting your cover letter and your resume and it was just so heartfelt and just like, I'm, I'm getting emotional. It was like, I believe so much in what you guys are doing and I want to be a part of it. And I just, just feel that you were ready to give your whole heart to this endeavor. And you have ever since then. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember going back to that. I remember you calling me. This is while we were working on culture together. And I remember you called me and we're like, hey, I have this idea. Let me know what you think. (laughs) And you were like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast production company. And I remember hearing this and being like, oh, my God, yeah. But my first thought was like, okay, how do I become a part of that? (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah, because I had enjoyed working with you so much. And, yeah, I remember we had such a strong connection, like, from the jump. And so when you told me, I remember just being like, oh my God, yes, like, how can I help? Truly, to think about how quickly it was. I think probably on your side, I got real quiet about the idea while I was building. I don't know, like, what was it like after that? Yeah, you got really quiet. And then I started seeing kind of like how it was coming together from afar and having like major FOMO. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, and being like, oh, God, like, how do I, like, get myself back in the mix? Like, how do I remind Michelle that, like, (laughs) I'm here and that I want to be a part of this? Yeah. But it ended up working out because you reached out and were like, hey, I have an open position. Yep. I wrote you an email and I was just honest. Like, I've been really excited about this from the very beginning I believe in you. I believe in this idea. And like, I just want to be a part of it and I just want to help it grow. This is what continues to amaze me about frequency is that it is a magnet. It's a magnetic force. And anyone who's a part of it knows what that feels like. And it's aggressively aligned with its magnetic force. Like you could feel that, that you belonged at frequency. On every production where you have had client interaction, there's just this like deep connection that you end up forming with all of these clients that makes them feel so seen and heard and bonded. And that is a big deal. Yeah. Well, I think working on Hidden Voices really paved the way for that. Mm. Working with the Hidden Voices team, I felt like I had put my whole heart into that project. And the work that we did on the ground, talking to people, on location, recording, I think that really paved the way for me in terms of when you're invested Mm -hmm. in that way, in a project, and in the people, and in the stories that you're trying to tell. And then hearing it all come together was kind of just an incredible experience for me. Wow, look at what we've done. And look at what a beautiful show this is. And I'm so, so proud of that show because of what we were able to do. And I think that that's really stayed with me through all of these productions. When that happens, it shows in the final product. It absolutely shows. That's so beautiful. So speaking of Hidden Voices, it is just such a beautiful season one where you actually like went and with Shannon, the host for season one, and visited these people on location. Tie some of your favorite moments to the end results that made it into the season. One of my favorite moments from season one was when we went to go visit Pam and Callie Moore. And they lived in rural Georgia. So Shannon and I, we're driving in a car together for hours. 
You're road tripping together. And we're road tripping together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, we talked about so much. We got to know each other so closely. And yeah, so we would drive and she would tell me, you know, stories about who it was that we were going to go visit. And then in this case, we arrived and it's like, we go down this like long dirt road um, and then we end up like in this clearing and there's like this house, this small house um, that we pull up to for this production. I would start recording as soon as we got out of the car. So I got to capture all this ambient sound that could really help paint a picture for listeners. And there was this one moment in particular where we all go sit outside. And I remember like Callie, she just like, she completely lit up from being outside. And this is someone who like doesn't communicate verbally at all, but you could see like there was no denying how much she loved being outside in that moment. And I got to capture that and we ended up using it for the episode. At the top of the episode, we heard from Pam Moore, one half of a mother-daughter advocacy team. They live in Comer, Georgia, a rural area 25 minutes outside of Athens. You get there by driving through rolling green hills and farmland, and then when you think you must be lost, you turn onto a small road that then becomes their homestead. There's this cute little trailer that has birdhouses and flowers all around. They have converted this place into their haven. Are you glad to be outside? Uh-huh. You wouldn't be. So Hidden Voices, that was the first time that we really collaborated uh, on a frequency project. Because we had already been collaborating, like we talked about for the Cultured Podcast. But Total Refresh was, for me, obviously a really meaningful project because you never expect as a podcast production startup which I started when people were still saying, I mean, this is how fast the industry has grown. People were still telling me when I said, I'm starting a podcast production company, or I have started it. Oh, yeah, my friend listens to podcasts, (laughs) which now everyone's like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, so in two years, a lot has changed. But for me to have started that company and then for Coca-Cola to be our second full-service client ever was such a major deal. But it was also a major deal because I told myself, like, Frequency is here from day one to help heal, enlighten, and uplift. And if we're going to do this, then I'm going to require a certain kind of values alignment from my clients. And I never imagined what an incredible partnership would result from Frequency and Coca-Cola. And what resulted was, I mean, the first time anyone has ever heard Coca-Cola's executive leadership get as raw and real and deep and personal as they did. So, you know, like, I'm curious about your perspective about that. Coming onto the project at the tail end, Were there things that you were expecting that like, you know, a certain stuffiness or anything like that, that like countered your expectations at all? Yeah, absolutely. 
I was surprised to hear how just casual these conversations were. But then it was also cool to have, you had these moments of like authenticity and vulnerability, but then to counter that also with, you know, insights about the business. So Total Refresh season one was really cool in the way that it was able to mix business strategy with personal human experience. All that time I wasted. Am I a good enough mom? Am I doing a good job at work? And I realized I was doing both. And maybe not both at the same time, 100% every single day, but I did both. And it just struck me that I wasted 19 years stressing about it when I didn't have to. I would have taken the same actions to lead her to feel the way she felt, but I would have done it without the guilt. I would have gotten an extra massage or two, but that would be the day I lost my guilt for good. So, I mean, when I tell people that we worked on DVF's podcast, people are always like, how? How did that even happen? How did that even come about? So how did you meet DVF? We met through Raising the Torch, which was one of those, it was back to back with with Coca-Cola's Total Refresh. So it was just kind of like this double whammy of, oh my God, there's something here. And so when Apple came to us and asked us to help work on raising the torch. The Statue of Liberty Ellis Island Foundation is opening up a new museum and we're doing this like app and we also want to do a limited run podcast. Dionne von Furstenberg was the self-proclaimed godmother of the Statue of Liberty. So for us, it was a no brainer that she would be, she also has a beautiful voice. Like she just has this like singular voice and cadence and accent that make her it's just a lush experience listening to her. So we were like, we definitely want her to be the narrator of this series. And it turned out that DVF single-handedly raised $100 million for this new Statue of Liberty Museum. And she ended up doing that because she ended up having a really personal connection to this idea of the torch and survival and immigration and liberty And we got to hear that from her firsthand and include it in Raising the Torch. And my mother had been a prisoner during the war. She was in a concentration camp of 13 months, but she survived. And I was born 18 months after she survived. So she wrote me a little note saying, God save me so that I can give you life. By giving you life, you gave me my life back you are my torch of freedom. So he underlined the torch of freedom and he came to the book and he said, you've got to do this because your mother said you were the torch of freedom. So I said, okay. And then I got involved. I raised a hundred million dollars. I mean, not all me, but I certainly raised three quarters of it myself. And it was actually easy because when you start to talk about her and what she represents. Just people somehow get moved. And it's crazy to think about how it was literally during that one session of meeting her 
that she, by the end of that recording session, was like, I'm working on a podcast and I want you to help. So it became a very quick process after that to get us fully onboarded to collaborate with Spotify and become the lead production team behind In Charge with DVF. And having these unbelievable experiences, like me and our sound engineer, Dante, our beloved Dante, traveled together. Talk about full circle. I met him when I started recording the Cultured Podcast in studio. And then two years later, he was flying with me on DVF's private jet to on-location interviews for her show, you know? Yeah. Dante was the real MVP. Yeah. <laughs> He really, 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 he's like, he's the one who's always behind the scenes because he's managing studio sessions or on location sessions. And he adds such a special secret sauce of just like love and care and attention and skill. So yeah, he really, truly was the backbone of In Charge with DBF. You know, I think the <laughs> the season closer was one of my favorite conversations and also so special because of course it was Charlize Theron. Yeah. <laughs> A dream come true. And to me, she's one of the greatest actors that's ever existed, ever. But she's also a powerhouse of independence and female strength. And then we were talking about COVID on top of all of that. So it was just like such a perfect encapsulation of what we're trying to achieve with In Charge with DVF, which is to show how powerful women can be even through moments of weakness and pain and survival because we all have those things that we have to overcome as women and people who identify as women. It's been a really special journey, that one. I think that I took a lot of trauma in my life in order to cope with a lot of trauma that I have had in my life. I decided that I had to turn it into something positive. I was five years old and my mom put me in a ballet class and the power to escape was incredible to me. The power of forgetting my life and putting what I was trying to cope with in the way of storytelling. I think I always knew that that was my superpower. And it came from a place of necessity. It came from a place of wanting to survive. That was such a surreal moment to record that interview and to sit face to face via Zoom with Charlize because, <laughs> of course, we recorded that fully remote. We are still and were still in the middle of lockdowns for COVID. Already by that point with Charlize, we had fully tested and proven our new equipment boxes, which were a key part of our pivot for COVID-19. It was at the beginning of lockdowns when they started happening that we had to figure out very quickly. All of our full service clients had already in their budgets, we had budget for studio time. So how do we keep production quality as high as possible while also keeping people fully distant, remote, and safe? And that is where Frequency Unboxed was born. And those equipment boxes were such a labor of love from the team. And so luckily, we acted quickly enough to be able to put together super high quality equipment boxes that are still just seven pounds, easily shippable and easily sanitizable. And it was because of that, that we were able to then bring on Don Smith and Kristen Files from Smith and Files 
a local Atlanta law firm. It was our first production where the majority, about 90% of that production, if not more, was recorded fully remote using Frequency Unboxed. But that's not the only point of pride, obviously, for that show. I'm curious to hear what your biggest points of pride are with Untying the Knots, because you've been working very, very closely with those two. Yeah. I mean, I think it speaks to how well Unboxed worked for us, because, I mean, the hours of research and testing just to make sure that, like, it was going to be easy to use and that it worked well. And for Don and Kristen to be gushing about how much they loved Unboxed really speaks to just how, you know, intentional and like thoughtful we were throughout the entire production process. I think one of my favorite moments was working on a production with two hosts who are so unapologetically raw. We would be so real with each other. We would get on these like Zoom recording sessions and we would be like all struggling together trying to like make it through quarantine. (laughs) And it's like, you know, we were joking like these recording sessions felt like therapy for all of us. While we were recording, not only was it this like pandemic, but also civil unrest and the social uprising movement. And here we had a show that has a Black host, a Black millennial woman host, and a white baby boomer woman host. And they are both from the South. They really stepped up when it came to this critical mass awakening when it comes to race in the United States and across the world. And I think for me, that was a highlight. Yeah, absolutely. They came to us and said, hey, we want to do an extra episode because we have to talk about race. Yes. We couldn't do this show without devoting an entire episode to this topic. And we were completely on board because we thought, who better to talk about such a divisive, sensitive subject at this time than these two who could be so honest and vulnerable and raw. And that ended up being my favorite episode. It's like the example that I give my kid and this isn't having anything to do with race. It's like if you are walking down the hallway and you see a big kid bullying a little kid, It's not enough for you to keep walking and be like, dang, I really feel bad for that little kid. I hate that kid has to go through that. Like you need to stand up for that little kid. You need to think about some stuff to do that are actual efforts. You're doing nothing when you're just walking by being like, dang, I really feel bad about that. But I'm friends with some small kids, so I don't really pick on them. That's a great analogy. It's so true. (laughs) It's so true. And I would say as well, when you say empathy is not enough, Guilt is not enough. And I'll tell you, it gets us nowhere, right? This guilt gets us nowhere. Anytime we enable and we allow space for our clients to speak truth into the world, 
that's a huge moment of pride for me. And it's because we pushed them to be raw from the very beginning. And it's because of the bond that you formed with them that made them feel safe and supported. And they were comfortable enough at the end of that production to be like, we have more to say. I mean, that's what we're here to do with all of these productions. We're here to heal, enlighten, and uplift. And I think that is something that feels very lofty to some people. Oh, you're a podcast production company. You're here to heal, enlighten, and uplift. But it's like, just listen to our shows. And the point of Pride, of course, is that all of these shows that we've listened to, except for the limited run that is Raising the Torch, we're working on second seasons that are even bigger that involve us even more. And so we get to have even more influence over how we're using sound to do those three things. And I'm incredibly proud of that. Yeah, I'm so proud as well to have developed these relationships with these clients, for them to be so happy with the way that these seasons have turned out, that all of them to be like, yes, 100%, we're doing season two and we're gonna do it bigger and better. It's so exciting and fulfilling for me. Same. So, Ina, cheers. Happy second anniversary to us. Cheers. (laughs) To many, many more. Yes.